0: Let us listen now for the word of God coming to us through the letter to the Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us Looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who, for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed." These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O God, we pray that you would illumine our lives by your word and Holy Spirit and bless these scriptures to our understanding. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be ever acceptable in thy sight, you who art our rock and our redeemer, amen. Brothers and sisters, members of the beloved community of faith 190 years strong, known in the world as Third Presbyterian Church, Rochester, New York, I bring you greetings from the body of Christ that gathers at Westminster Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee. We join in celebrating this significant anniversary in your life together. We join with you with great joy and give thanks to God for your work and ministry, your witness and mission here and throughout the world. It is such a privilege for me to be standing in this place and to be sharing this incredible weekend with you. The last time I was here was for my grandfather, Bill Hudnut's memorial service in 1985. As you've heard, he served as Thirds Pastor from 1946 to 64, and following his death, Hudnut Weekend was established. I said to your truly amazing Pastor John Wilkinson when he reached out months ago, I told him, I'm not of the stature of Peter Gomes or of Barbara Wheeler, nor am I of the stature of any other people you have brought in for these special Hudnut weekends. And I'm afraid not even of. Hudnut stature. (laughs) For you might remember that my grandfather was more than a foot taller than me, and my uncle Bill and my father Bob, they too were that tall, and Bill even taller. And they preached and prayed from this same pulpit when we gathered here with those of you who joined us in this vibrant congregation for my grandpa's service. Having just graduated from Union Theological Seminary in New York City myself, mere weeks before that service, I stood at the lectern and read scripture. And I remember looking out, feeling deeply moved by the size and vitality of this congregation, as together we witnessed to the resurrection and gave thanks to God for Bill Hudnut, his faith and life, his ministry and service, and his love. You see, I had grown up hearing stories about you all, about Third Church and Rochester. I was shown whirring 16 millimeter home movies of the family house at 15 East Boulevard And I had that address ingrained in my memory as well as visual images of my dad and his five siblings of grandpa and grandma of the inside of the house and the outside of the house caught on film during a rousing snowball fight between those five boys. These movies helped me from a young age to imagine what their full and happy lives were like during this golden age in Rochester for this family of eight. I treasure a photo taken of me at four and a half when the only daughter of the six, Holly, was married right here in this sanctuary. I am wide-eyed and open-mouthed trying desperately in my blue chiffon flower girl dress to thrust my hand into a little white glove. And then years later, when my grandmother Betsy needed senior living, it was to Rochester and to Valley Manor and to the services of Joanne Anderson, who served as her secretary, it was to hear that my grandma came. For her roots and cherished friendships here were still so deep. And so it was that I heard more stories about Third Church as she participated once again in the life of this committed congregation, worshiping in this sanctuary, being nurtured and blessed by this vibrant, inclusive community of faith. So while being a hudnut of the next generation, I claim roots here as well. For I know that the spiritual food and sense of Paul that I was gifted with springs partially from the fertile, life-giving soil of Third Presbyterian Church, which nourished my life and the life of my forebears and thus was passed along to me. I join with you in saying thanks be to God For third church, past, present, and yet to come, through the unfailing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I lift up gratitude for all that you have meant to my family and to me through the years. And I give thanks for the ways that you have followed and continue to follow God's call to be Christ's disciples for the sake of the world he came to save. Still, in in the midst of celebration, of thanksgiving and gratitude, a question comes to us through the biblical witness. Today, from the book of Exodus and the letter to the Hebrews. To whom are we looking to show us the way? May this special anniversary, I pray, Reignite your passion, as Becky said earlier, to nurture and to teach, to serve and risk, as the East Avenue grocery run folks have just lifted up, to risk living in the reconciling ways of the reign of love shown to us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look said the disciples on the road. Look, there he is, ahead of us. 190 years, wow, longer than a lifetime. I was awed to discover your communal family tree goes all the way back to 1827. 1827. What a rich generational history you have as you stand on the shoulders of the saints who founded this great church and that great cloud of third church witnesses through whom God has been working God's purposes out for all generations since. 190 years That's more than I can comprehend, and it feels kind of like a biblical length of time, like how Abraham and Sarah, at more than 100 years old, were given the gift of their first child, Isaac, because that was God's time. And so today, instead of trying to time warp ourselves back to 1827, I am going to invite us to become even more present to the place where we find ourselves in this time of God, as church and as individuals, right here, right now. For to celebrate an anniversary and 190 years at that is not about idolizing the past, as if the accumulation of years is somehow like the accrual of a significant figure in a bank account, whereas as the numbers go up, we can feel more secure and stable, more valued and valuable, more assured of our legacy and of our future. Celebrating 190 years and remembering a pastor who served here 54 years ago is not an end in itself but an opportunity to be strengthened in faith anew for the challenges faced this day in living out the gospel. It provides us an opportunity to be emboldened for the journey ahead as disciples of Christ in an ever-changing world. In the midst of joy this weekend, where are we looking? to the 190 years past, to the 190 years that are beyond in the future, to our comprehension beyond us. Yet I submit that pausing to celebrate 190 years grounds us in a very good way. It grounds us actually even more fully in the present in the gift of this day, of God's time among us, March 11th, 2018, this year of our Lord, as we give thanks for the scope of God's unending goodness in our lives and in and through this church. As the psalmist reminds us, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Decadal birthdays, decadal and centenary anniversaries, and all those marked in between. These are not of our own creation. Each year, just like each day, is a gift from God. And evolving, ever evolving into the people and church whom God is calling us to be, is God's gift as well. So yes, let us rejoice and be glad in it. So how to live into these gifts of 190 years, these gifts of each day, the gift of the present, the only time we have. First, we live reminded that our family tree goes even deeper than the 190 years that we celebrate, for we are the offspring of the Hebrew people, God's people of the Exodus. Those people who were led out of bondage in Egypt to wander in the wilderness, as we heard part of that faith story in Exodus 13. We are recipients of the freedom and liberation of the people of God, saved for God's purposes in God's drama of salvation. When God led some Presbyterians to cross the Genesee River and build a new church in just one week, a church that was to be marked by the charism of openness. It was then that God brought to birth a new family in the Reformed faith called Third Presbyterian Church. Every time you have lived into God's freedom and liberation at Third Church, setting the ordination of women in motion, Becoming a more like church, standing fast and risking for peace and justice. Every time you have lived into God's Exodus making purposes, you have stepped forth as God's people. When we become 190 years old, almost 200, It is easy to forget about our beginnings in the saving power of God. God who creates, builds, sustains, shapes, transforms, and leads the church. Reminded by the songs of the Hebrew people, with another psalmist let us sing, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain as Christ's people at his table. You have been unceasing in your dining room ministry since 1991. You live out the truth of the gospel that we are fed to feed the hungers of the world. Still, the strong messages of culture and family, I know for me, keep me, keep you maybe too, from living as freely as God's own as we are called to be. Onward and upward, go from strength to strength, were two of the mantras I heard growing up. Just like the oft repeated family phrase, ride the crest of the wave. I believed my life and growth would progress to greater and greater heights in an ascending straight line, up and up, be it a number of years or accumulation of accomplishments, moving from a smaller house to a larger house, or up the chain from associate pastor to pastor, head of staff, always assuming that the crest of the wave would carry me for a long, long time And I could forego or ignore life's periodic relinquishings, or at least they would be rare or infrequent. A far cry from the natural rhythm of waves which crest, then fall, crashing and petering out on the shore. Acceptance of the human condition as created by God understanding natural rhythms of life and health, trusting the guidance of God and the power of the Holy Spirit for my life's meaning and wholeness, trusting fully. This requires walking on the shore, walking on the shore with the one who calls me to stop, looking at the crest of the wave, calls me to drop my nets, to let go of my nets and stop sizing up my catch, to look at the holes in those nets, and to follow him. And in my case, this has involved coming to experience the loss of my parents' marriage to divorce, the challenge to my own health through cancer, It's involved the circuitous career path that has unfolded for me out of the ones to whom I am committed in love. For I have come to know and embrace the crest and the crash, the dissipation and the rise again. And by the grace of God at work in me, I have come to know the truth of Bonhoeffer's affirmation, Only the suffering God can help us. Just as in Exodus, the pillar of light and the pillar of cloud have led me through the wilderness time and time again. And I have also found Jesus in the dark gardens of my life. In Exodus, we read of the liberation of the Hebrew people from their bondage in Egypt. You know the story, and yet often, I believe, when we remember the exodus which followed the plagues and the Passover, we often think of the people being led by Moses and just running for their lives toward the Red Sea, with Pharaoh's soldiers and chariots behind them, and God dramatically saving them through parting the waters, and then destroying the army by those same waters. I tend to sort of collapse the story and go for the dramatic, right? That's where the crest of the wave is. But you know what? That's not where the story goes. Today's passage from chapter 13 of Exodus, however, shows us that we've got it wrong. I have it wrong. Much occurs before the miraculous red sea story. God leads the people first, not onward and upward, not to ride the proverbial crest of the wave, not by the straightest, fastest, or most direct route out of Egypt, but by, we are told, a roundabout way. This roundabout way we are told in God's wisdom actually protected the people from worse harm. And while it was longer and more arduous, it led them along and into the wilderness rather than on the charted, known, and recognizable road that was out in the open where they could have been attacked. How often in our lives and even in the church's life have we mapped things out. Named our goals, developed our strategic and five-year plans, declared our mission statements and values, written our mission studies, done our visioning, only to find that God has something else in store. That God's way for us is not straight, but is round about. And it involves getting to know the wilderness more than it does following a mapped out, clearly defined path. That it involves trust. That God's saving, liberating way for us is not what we think it will be. But like so much of the witness of the Bible, it is rather another way, a roundabout, uncertain way, unknown to us, that surprises us. And that, as we set out and revealed through twists and turns, dead ends and falls starts, we are led, by the grace of God, to follow in faith. The God-given path emerges as we walk, step by step, one day, one foot at a time. It may not be at all what we expected or planned, but yet we have the divine assurance. God will be in that journey as we embrace uncertainty and lean into the promises of God. What are we looking for? Where are we looking There is no manual, no secret map to find, no prize to achieve. Just a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, Exodus tells us. And those pillars never left their place in front of the people. They guided them on their roundabout way through the wilderness. What are you looking for? Sister, brother, behold the cross. Looking to Jesus, my friends, we can run with perseverance the race that is set before us, as the early Christian who authored the letter to the Hebrews proclaims. Through Christ, we receive grace and forgiveness of sin we are released from the discouraging weight that clings so closely to be able to trust and be strengthened for the race every day of our lives. That race, which is the urgent journey of living the one authentic life we have to live. The life that is unique to us, given by God, and redeemed for abundant life by Jesus Christ, right here, right now, in this present moment, and ultimately forevermore. Listen, look, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and they are cheering us on as we persevere. They are holding hands across 190 years and urging us faithfully onward as the church of Jesus Christ, urging us to love one another as Christ has loved us, urging us to pour out our lives for the sake of the world and the fulfillment of God's realm on earth as it is in heaven. Let us look to the cross, no starting gun, no stopwatch, no ribbon, no finish line, no gold medal, no boundary lanes, but hands to hold in a roundabout way as we follow our good shepherd one step, one day at a time. For the grace and power of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is by him. He who looks upon us and never looks away, through him we will persevere. Thanks be to God for this good news. And all God's people say, Amen.